Hi, I'm Nanaba Duncan, and this is Media Girlfriends. I work in the media as a host and a producer, and this podcast is about my girlfriends who work in the media and their personal journeys, including what it's like to work in the industry as women, as women of color, as moms, as people who don't want to be moms, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to talk to each girlfriend about one main topic, but since we're girlfriends, we're obviously going to talk about more. And the reason why I'm doing this little project is to remind myself that even though I'm a mom of two kids under four years old right now. I know how to produce shit. And I'm a journalist. I will not be wiping up scrambled eggs and orange juice from under a high chair forever. So I decided that the first girlfriend to talk to would be another mom of two kids. Hers are under six years old. Namageni Kiwanuka is her name. And if you were around back in the early 2000s or aughts or whatever you want to call them, uh, and you watched much music, then you might remember her as a VJ back then. There is nothing like the Much Music Video Awards. The energy from this crowd is phenomenal. The fans have jammed the street. Namageni Kiwanuka is a refugee from Uganda, and she came to Canada when she was 10. Since that tough time in her life, she's really made a name for herself. Uh, she's hosted and produced shows for Sportsnet and BET. She's reported for ET Canada and CNN. She's written for the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail. She's done a freaking TED Talk. Today, she's the host of The Agenda in Summer on TVO. So, you know, not a big deal. She's just one of my most accomplished girlfriends. Uh I don't know whether it's because of her humility or her kindness or what, but Nam feels like a sister to me. We do a lot of family hangouts with all of our kids. She lives on one side of the city and I live on the other side. But because I have the water, she brings her two kids uh, to me and my two kids. And we just hang out at the splash pad and try to rein them all in for meals and stuff. So what's great is that we support each other through life about having children and about the career. Uh, usually it's through WhatsApp and sometimes it's face-to-face through pep talks that the other one needs. So with Nam, I wanted to talk about doubt. There's this thing that can happen to you after you have a kid where maybe because you haven't been working and you've been deep in baby shit and vomit for so many months, you start to become a little loose from yourself. Like you can get unmoored. And that can easily sow seeds of insecurity and doubt. I've gone through it. Nam's gone through it. And she seems to have really come out on top or seems to be coming out on top. So I I wanted to talk to her about that. And the conversation that you're about to hear was at my kitchen table. It's in front of a mic that wasn't set up quite right. And yes, I'm going to apologize. I know I'm not supposed to, but this is my job. Anyway, the baby was sleeping, so there was, you know, limited time for me to work with, and Nam's time was tight, so I had to roll with it. We started out by talking about uh, how we knew each other. I don't really even know how it started, because it's not like we've known each other for very long. You and I uh, have become friends, I think, in the last couple of years, really. Um, And I don't know you like everyone else does. A lot of people know you because you were a VJ on Much Music. Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching at that time, so Mm -hmm. um, I know you through some other work stuff. But um, can you just tell people what it is that you have done in the past that you're proud of? Oh, wow. That's a big question, Edo. I think what I'm proud of, period, is just never giving up. 
Um, when I first started working on Much Music, I didn't know anybody there. And uh, it was one of those things where you needed to know people who knew people to get in. Back in the day, there used to be a show called Demix mm-hmm. with Tony Young, a.k.a. Master T. Yeah. So I really, that was a show to me that spoke to me. And I used to watch it. I used to tape it when it was like three hours long mm-hmm. on like VHS. Yes, I'm old. Um, <laughs> but like I really identified with that show. And I saw Master T at an event one night. And I went up to him and I said, you know, this is when I was still in university. I said, I need, I'm looking for an internship. One of the things that I need to do for my degrees to get an internship. And I really want to work with you. How can I work with you? And, um, and of course it was one of my girlfriends who was like, go talk to him because I was super shy. And I'm like, he's going to look at me and be like, whatever. And my friend was like, just do it. Otherwise you're going to regret it. So I went and I spoke to him and he told me, get in contact with a producer of the show. Here's her name. And I did. And she was just kind of like, whatever. Um, and this happened for almost a year. I would call her every week and say, oh my God. yeah, every week I would call and say, uh, it's me again. Um, do you have any openings? Because at the beginning it was kind of like, I think she gets a call, lots of calls mm-hmm. and she was just like, whatever, let's see how serious you are. And then, um, they always had an intern and then finally she was like, okay, you're not leaving me alone. So I should probably just bring you in. <laughs> And once I got there, I was like, I'm not leaving here without a job because, you know, it was my final year in university. And I'm just like, this is a great opportunity. And I don't know why I knew that. I just knew that I I always had this thing, like if I don't get a job before I finish, I'm going to be I'm going to have these student loans and I have no one to pay for these to help me because I've been on my own since I was 16. So it was like, you got to get this done now. So once I got into much music, I, w- I did everything. Do you want a coffee? I'll get that coffee. Do you want me to fax something? Yes, fax. Look it up. Um, <laughs> I'll fax that. You know, I did everything. And I wouldn't wait for people to ask. I would offer myself. I wasn't too proud because a lot of times I think people say, oh, this is beneath me. I didn't know what was beneath me. Beneath me was like not having a job. And just right. being in much music was amazing, an, an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And then from there, it just kind of got into this situation where Denise Donlin, who was um, the general manager at the time, mm-hmm. she and was like, has worked at CBC. I know her. Too. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. What a great boss. If you ever work with Denise, she's amazing. She's one of those people that sees things in you and she's tough, but she's fair. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I she's very tough, but she's also very, very fair. So she saw something in me and she was like, you should be on air. And I was like, no, thanks. Because I was like, I know I don't want to really? be. On- no, I didn't want to be on air. Are you crazy? I was oh. shy. I was shy. And I grew up with like when I was for most of my teens until maybe I was 21. My acne had acne like I. Oh. I was that, yeah, I do. I was that girl who was holding up. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. I'll show you some pictures. My little sister used to draw of me. No, it was like, I was that girl that was holding up the wall. I was in the background okay. always, and okay. I was very comfortable being in the background. But Denise wanted you yes, in front of the, of the camera. camera. And I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to do that. Look that up also. Um, yeah, so. So, <laughs> so when you did, though. Yeah. When I did, I, the first tape, I, I kept saying no. And then she was like, you don't say no to your boss. So then I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay. And at the time I was doing like graphics for Electric Circus. So now I had like a paying job. It was was once a week, but it was like, oh my God, this is the most money I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I did the tape. It was awful. It was awful. It was like, 
hello, my name is. It was bad. And she was like, no, do another one. Oh. Because she was like, she wanted me to do a tape so that I could have something to show to Moses Neimer. Um, because at the time he was running the company, his mm-hmm. company, right? And She believed in you. She did. She gave me so like many. For her to try yeah. with you like that? Yeah, because there were so many people who wanted to be on air. More people who were probably more qualified than I was. But she saw something in me and she helped to nurture that. And I'm, mm. I'm forever grateful to her. So um, I, I want to hear more, but mm-hmm. I do want um, to know more about what you've done after mm-hmm. that. Like you did much music as mm-hmm. a VJ. Mm-hmm. And from there, where did you go? I went to Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. I was doing a basketball show called NBA XL. Mm-hmm. And which was fantastic. Now to see all the stuff that the Raptors are doing. When we first started, people were like, "Yeah, no, we are, no one in Canada is interested in basketball." So we really had like um, backstage access all the time to the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And after that, I kind of just laid low helping my family. Mm-hmm. My sister was going through something, mm-hmm. and then after that, I ended up in England somehow. And uh, is that when you worked with um, the the African um, for magazine? Yes, yeah, BBC's uh, Focus on Africa magazine. Right. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with doubt. Okay. Um, as you know, I have a relationship with doubt, <laughs> and I want to know right like just about like the last few years i want to know how doubt has figured in your life oh my gosh that is such a good question i think doubt has been like my bff um (laughs) (laughs) and it's like one of those relationships you just want to end but you don't know how to end it Mm -hmm. um i think i really started to doubt myself when i became a mother um because i kind of felt I never really thought I defined myself by my career, mm-hmm. but it turned out that I did. Oh. Um, and I think I noticed the shift when, like when I left television the first time around, like when I left Much Music and mm-hmm. I stopped doing stuff for the NBA, where like half of like 95% of my friends disappeared or people I thought were my friends disappeared. As in they weren't your friends anymore? They weren't my friends anymore because they weren't my friends to begin with. I think it was more like the they were seduced by the lifestyle because I could get them into clubs, because oh, I could... Oh, interesting. That okay. kind of so thing. you lost them. But I lost them. And that was really heartbreaking because it's uh, it does something to your ego when you... You think when you find out that people don't really like you for you, like you're not, it's not because you're so amazing and funny and a great cook, which I'm not. But, um, (laughs) and then the doubt starts to come in. Um, You're like, well, why were they my friends? And it's, I'm not worthy to have those relationships. And I'm a really, I'm a person that really believes in strong relationships because I'm very loyal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from there, uh, you know, when I had to audition and the audition didn't work out and so then, that wouldn't like make the doubt bigger. Somehow? Yeah, it would fester. But even before that, like I never thought that even when I was at much music, I, al- I always felt like I was an imposter. I always felt like, oh, my gosh, one day someone's going to find out that I'm just faking it. And it was incredible because no matter what I did, like I would do the MMVAs live. I would do all these interviews live and I did a great job, but there was always that nagging feeling like you don't belong here and you're not good and you're not this and you're not that. And so who was that voice? Where was that? I mean, from? I think it just comes from childhood and then um, it probably manifested itself from the relationships that I had. There weren't healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I had kids, then it was kind of like, I will never work again because now I have, because I think it's this, this idea, it's not spoken, but for us, like when you're working in television, um, as 
you know, I did a lot of entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to be young. You have to be sexy. Yeah. Your boobs have to be perky. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did not have those things anymore, right? And I was getting older. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I wanted to do the serious journalism. But then people were kind of like, you're a much music VJ. Oh like, God. what do you have to offer? You're a much music VJ. Did, Which, did, that, did those words actually... Did you hear them or was this something that you suspected because of how people acted? I I think I might have heard it. Mm. I think I might have heard it. Um, but it was, and it, it's just, it's it's too bad because Much Music did, a, when we were there, we did a lot of great journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just kind of trying to find like where you fit in. Mm-hmm. And then being, uh, now being a parent, you have these huge responsibility where before I was young and I could do whatever, I was a nomad, I could go here, I could go there. And then the doubt now was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get back into the industry? What do I need to re like? Um, and not I hate that word brand. Um, how do I okay. reposition myself? Right, you know, okay. and looking at my skills, I was really skilled, but I wasn't. I didn't know what I where I would fit in. You know, I, to be honest, that's the feeling that I got from you when you and I like first started talking mm-hmm. with us, like. To me, it, it was like, I, I saw your TED talk. You did a freaking TED talk. <laughs> I've seen your resume. I've seen the things that you've done online. Yeah. And then when I met you, I remember you expressing some doubt and me thinking, what <laughs> on earth? It didn't make sense to me. Well, right? I see that about you too. What um, on earth? Well, <laughs> so like, this is the thing. It's yeah. like, you know, you see these uh, people who you know who are amazing and they mm-hmm. have all these talents, but like everyone, it feels like has at some point yeah. in their life has that moment so um how did you get out of it or because you seem like you're out of it or on the way out i i got out of it i actually a really good friend of mine andrea she suggested that i hire someone to do my resume yeah. and it, it was a person i've never i don't know they live in the states and we had a, a couple of conversations and then she was like oh okay you've done this and this i'm like no i haven't she goes yeah you have look on your resume so when you mean she pulled out like skills she, she pulled you, out skills that I had like I had tangible skills mm-hmm. she didn't care about the places that I had worked it was more about skills right mm-hmm. and so that gave me a confidence boost and then I think it just got to the point where I mean even now I mean I have a great job I have I work at a great company I'm learning every single day I'm doing essentially I have the job that I've imagined for myself but there's still a lot of doubt mm-hmm. Like there's sometimes when I, before I do an interview and I've researched this person and I've read their book and I know my questions inside out and I'm in my dressing room and I'm having like, like a anxiety attack because I'm just filled with so much doubt. So what do you do in that moment when your anxiety attack attack is coming? Become rational. How do you you get out of it? What do you say? Um, I've just started to just power pose. Have you heard of this power posing thing? Uh, Well, you told me about this recently. Yeah. yeah, Power posing and just actually talking telling myself how crazy i sound and not crazy in like you know i'm not being rational because all this doubt in my in my head it's just been there from my childhood when people would tell me you won't make it you you're nothing you all these negative stuff that i heard that's just been there like a friend in my head a really bad friend but now i'm like well actually no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. So when I get into those moments, I'm like, that's not true. This is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. And just, this is where you are. All these people believe you and they want to make this, 
they want to make you as good as you can be. Is that what power posing is? I don't know. Well, power posing is like this idea. You fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm. If you if you stand a certain way, it kind of tricks your mind into thinking what your body's doing. So what's the stance? The stance is like if you have your hands on your hips and your legs wide, and it's like a Wonder Woman pose. Okay. I think um, it's Amy Cuddy who came up with this, and she did this awesome TED Talk. Look it up. It's, it's fantastic. It's like 20 minutes. Okay. But it just kind of like she talks about her journey, how she doubted herself she was in a really bad car accident people told her that she probably wouldn't be able to do anything that she wanted to do because she was uh, like a genius and then she lost all these points because she had a head trauma and so her iq went down and they were like you won't even graduate from university or college and she did and now i think she teaches at harvard or yale but it's never giving up that attitude of never giving up so in that in those moments do you actually stand up and do your oh yeah oh yeah and i dance and i put on some 90s hip-hop oh yes (laughs) oh my gosh i love it It, and it makes me happy like you know what because it takes me back to a time when i was fearless you yeah. know, when I just didn't care what anybody thought, right, right, you right. know, when I was like, oh, the world is my oyster. I'm going to live until I'm a thousand. And, you know, I, all this stuff before all this doubt started creeping in. Mm. So it makes me and it and it re energizes me. And now I just kind of feel like when I think the whole thing with doubt, it's like you're putting limitations on yourself. Absolutely. Right. Because unnecessary. Unnecessary. And I think it's kind of like you're sabotaging yourself because you're afraid of what you can accomplish. So doubt is your comfortable blankie and you know, you know, doubt and you don't know what else is beyond that. Mm. But I think it's you, it's you doing yourself a great disservice. Okay. So let's say you're talking to, if you were to talk to Namageni mm-hmm. at the time when she was having her most, um, most doubt. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person, or even any other person right now who's just starting out? Mm-hmm. What kind of things would you tell them? Big up yourself. <laughs> Big up yourself. Really, like, make realize how great you are because it all starts with confidence. I think um, as women, we're taught from a very young age that we have to please other people and that, you know, our our worth comes from makeup, comes from clothing and looks and, looks, yeah. and which is a bunch of BS. So you have to big up yourself. You How really you have to. I honestly don't know. Like I, I told you this story about this ex-boyfriend of mine mm-hmm. who once told me that if he comes into a room and people don't notice him, he leaves and then comes back again. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember that. I mean, that's wild. Wild. To me. At the like, time, person would even think that. Exactly. About you know what I and mean? And I mean, like, this man is a specimen too. Like he's gorgeous, and he's like, you know, like he's just amazing. Like when you look at him, your eyes just want to do bar. You know, he's gorgeous. <laughs> so, but he has obviously there's some insecurity there. Because- oh, of course there is, but there there was some insecurity, but because he's so confident, right. he's he's been able to whatever insecurities he has, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know it by looking at him. And I guess that's the whole point because you are what you perceive yourself to be, mm-hmm. right? And I think with So do you mean in terms of uh sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. I just mean like in terms of like what I, a person could do, it's Literally just telling yourself how amazing you are, yeah. like with words. Yeah, because if no one has ever said it to you, then how do you know this? Okay. And I think we, it's this whole idea of like loving yourself more mm-hmm. because we all, like, I don't know your journey. We know each other, yeah. but we don't know like everything. Everything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, but so 
if you've always, if you like, for example, I've never had anybody tell me as a child, you're beautiful. I've never had anybody say you're smart. Mm. I've never had anybody say that you're worthy. I've never had those things. But I hear you say them to your children. But I say to my children, yeah, yeah, exactly. I say to my children because I really want my kids to know that they're just the way they are. They don't have to do anything. Just already amazing. They're already amazing. Just the way they are. My son, every time I tuck him into bed, Eli, you're amazing and you're the best and you can do anything. This is what I say to him. I've been saying this to him since he was a baby. So now he just like, he says it like a robotic. I'm like, no, say it like you mean it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because even I want. Even though it's like, even the fact that it's robotic is kind of a good yeah. thing because that's his default. It's, it, yeah, like those words yeah. are his default. It's become second nature for yeah. him. So when I say big up yourself, if no one has ever told you how amazing you are, then you start now. You yeah. tell yourself because I think it all comes down to confidence. If you're confident, like we, we have a good friend who is so confident. Yeah. And all we're the all, time, all the time. All the time. Every day. I'm going like, to get her in here. Yeah, you have to. I have to. Jennifer Holly, we're talking about you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I look at her and I'm just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's what I want. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have people telling you, you got to tell it to yourself because you owe to yourself to be the best that you can be. I think the worst thing in life could be 20 years from now. You look back and say, I didn't do this because or I should have. Oh, and you can't now. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, doubt. Sorry, you got to go. Yeah. It's like Tyrone, like Erica Badu. You got to go. <laughs> right? Speaking of that, I know you have to go. <laughs> you have a meeting to go to. Yeah, I do. But um, I, I just want to say thank you so much for talking about this. And if there was one specific sentence that mm-hmm. you think a person could say to themselves what would it be i am worthy i deserve it and i'm going to get it amazing that's right i just came up with that <laughs> <Okay>. awesome <laughs> love you never <Deva. laughs> i love you too <laughs> was that okay that was perfect okay <laughs> that was one of my media girlfriends namageni kiwanuka host on TVO. Media Girlfriends was produced by me, Nanaba Duncan. You can find us on Twitter at MediaGFS and with the hashtag MediaGirlfriends.